I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Nearly three years ago, when my daughter was born, I had a bit of a realization about my life. People smarter than me might refer to it as an existential crisis. It involved the fact that at 35 years of age, I hadn't really produced anything creatively. I'd always wanted to be a writer, but never had the work ethic to really make a go of it. So the thought that my kid would grow up with a dissatisfied and resentful dad played on my mind. I wanted her to learn that she should always do whatever made her happy, even if it was just in the hours between her paid work, even if it was just some little project she put together in her room. And so I started this podcast. I was interested in telling the stories of normal, everyday people doing normal, everyday things. I thought there was something special and extraordinary in the ordinary, and I wanted to try and show how these things connect us all and make us human. And so it's with all of that in mind that I introduce you to season three of the show. Each story this year is an attempt for me to explore the connection I have with others. I'll be talking with some left-wing protesters, an archaeologist, a bunch of dickheads, my neighbours, my political opponents, and some professional wrestlers. But today, in a special pre-season episode, you're just going to hear from me. And like many good things, this story starts with a beer. Layla, my partner and occasional nemesis, had heard that having a little tipple and a lie down might be helpful in bringing on labour. At 40 and a half weeks pregnant, Layla was over it. So we bought a couple of cans on our way home and indulged in some day drinking, which really just amounted to Layla having a couple of sips and me having the rest. No complaints. Some hours later, while she was laying down half asleep, Layla's waters broke. Though from her reports, popped is probably a more apt descriptor. She called me in from the study where I found her in the bathroom, a trail of amniotic fluid leading back to our bed. Her face was pained from a contraction, and she told me that things were happening fast. She called the midwife, I grabbed her bags and pillow, and we were off. Half an hour away from the hospital, and just at the start of peak hour. Should be a cinch. We struggled to get out of our little suburban enclave, forced to wait for a big Sunday gap to open up and two lanes of traffic to let us in. As we sat there, I began wishing we had some way of telling people there was a labouring woman in the car. They have those baby on board stickers. Why not a woman in labour sign in big neon that we could put on the dash? Or perhaps a special set of police sirens in green. That's a calming colour. With Layla moaning and straining through another contraction, the thought crossed my mind that I might have to deliver this baby myself. We'd have to pull our station wagon somewhere off the road, attempting but no doubt failing to shield ourselves from the views of passers-by. Layla would have to go in the boot, 
and who knows how many trips to the car wash it would take to get the upholstery back to factory standards. I wonder what kind of bond that would form between me and my kid. Having ushered it into the world, would I feel differently about it than I did our daughter? Would I love it more? Or would I go the other way? The love I felt for my daughter was so intense and immediate, I feared that I couldn't possibly love another the same. This taps into this idea that love is a finite resource, something quantifiable that we can run out of. But love's not like that, is it? That's just some metaphor people use because they don't actually understand what the hell love is and are merely trying to dress up and romanticize what is essentially just a bunch of chemicals that help our survival. Isn't it? This is what I think about as we drive off, Layla going through another contraction beside me. So labor is divided into three stages and the part where the first meets the second is called the transition. It's the hard part, where good times turn bad and shit gets real. They say it's when women are at their lowest ebb and need the most support. And while I was driving, trying my best to navigate traffic and make good time, Layla was in the passenger seat, gripping the top of the dashboard, going through her transition. There wasn't a heck of a lot I could do besides drive as quickly and as safely as possible. Of course, with all the twits on the road, this was a frustrating activity. And as someone with a short temper and prone to anger, this wasn't an ideal situation. But I tried my best to channel Gandhi and curb my road rage so as not to make an already tense situation worse. I'm sometimes known to be an angry man, but I never wanted to be an angry father. There's an idea of the dad I wanted to be, relaxed, unflappable, attentive. And I guess to most extents I am. But I have lost my cool at times. I've got irrationally angry. I've often spent as much time looking at my phone as I do at my daughter when we're at the playground. In the early days, when I was a part-time stay-at-home dad, I didn't know what to do with a child who couldn't even really interact with me. And so I would sometimes put on Netflix while we played on the floor in front of the TV, just so I could have something to entertain me, as if she wasn't enough. I've got better. I've got a lot better. But reflecting on those early days, I know that the thoughts running through my head were that I was no good at this whole dad thing. If I didn't have a family, I would probably spend all my available time on the couch, smoking weed and playing video games. That seems to be my default. And adding a kid to my life didn't automatically change that. I had to work at it, fight against my base drive to just sit around and do nothing. Until slowly, bit by bit, I started becoming something of the dad I wanted to be from day one. This is what I think about as we pull up to the hospital and Layla runs into the birthing centre in the moments between contractions. It's hard to see someone you love go through such an experience. It was obviously worse for Layla, but I've got to say that childbirth is also the most intense experience I've had as well. It's full on and stressful, and frightened, and often completely batshit crazy. And at all times I felt utterly fucking useless. If you could relate making a baby to making a bolognese sauce, then I reckon the guy is the one who pops down to the shops to buy an onion. Our role is vital, but almost incidental. Which is to say that there wasn't anything I could do to take away her pain, or even really help ease it. And every time I muttered, 
Oh, you're doing so well. Oh, that's it. Breathe. I felt like an utter tossbag. But those words were all I had. Well, that and my total obedience. Any request was immediately complied with. Like when the stress balls Layla had made specifically to squeeze during each contraction weren't cutting the mustard, and she ordered me onto the bed so she could squeeze my hands instead. As each contraction would come on, Layla squeezed so hard I was sure she was going to break one of my bones. I was kind of wishing she would, giving me something I could show for the experience, to show how involved I was, how I also took one for the team. At least with a crushed metacarpal, we could share in some pain. And it would have given us one of those funny stories we could tell for years to come, boring our kids with the tale of their birth. Because all families have their own stories, traditions and rituals. I guess you could even say it's a culture. After today, we would be a complete family of four. Obviously, in the early days, it would all be happy families. A toddler demanding more food and a newborn cradled in our lap as we recounted the day and tried our best to decipher our daughter's questions. Then there'd be school, friends, disappointments, learnings about the world and the formation of their own personalities. Layla and I nearly constantly discussed what our daughter would be like as an adolescent, as an adult. She was already taking after me a little, loud, spirited and emotional. I hoped our nearly born would take more after Layla, at least so there wouldn't be three versions of myself running around. Surely that wouldn't be happy families. And then, before we know it, our kids won't need us so much anymore. There'll come a time when the both of them won't want to have any family time. Maybe they'll scream that they hate us as they slam their bedroom doors. They'll be defiant, make decisions we won't agree with, befriend the wrong people, discover alcohol and drugs. But then also, they'll have success and they'll have wins. There'll be chats over dinner, Friday night movies, weekend sport, beers in the pub, dinners with their partners, with their families. A lifetime of love and fun. This is what I think about as Layla is bent over the bed, straining and in a lot of pain. She is nearly crying and I can almost see her will wavering. It's only been 40 minutes since we got here, but none of those minutes has been easy. Layla would tell me later that birth is all-encompassing, an experience that requires every ounce of strength and all the courage she could muster. It's something I can't relate to in the slightest, and she's awesome and amazing and incredible and a real flesh-and-blood superhero for being in this moment. And then, like it's the most normal thing in the world, we hear our son's first cries. That sound is indescribable. We knew what was happening. We knew there was a baby in there, but somehow his cry still managed to surprise us. All of a sudden, there was a new human in the world. There's a tinge of absurdity to the whole thing, and Layla and I both started laughing this kind of crazed laugh, infused with tears and relief. And in that moment, as we listened to his wails and stroked his wrinkly skin, all of the worries and doubts and fears and hopes just seemed to evaporate. We're holding the sun we made together, and all that's left is an immediate and intense love.
The Human Ordinary Podcast is produced in Melbourne, Australia by me, Sam Lloyd. All original music is by Kent Sutherland. Special thanks to Layla Brook for everything. If you want to know more about the podcast, check out the website humanordinary.com or the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash humanordinarypodcast. Anyway, thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.